The way I look at it is if through your business and your enterprise you have a positive social, economic and environmental impact altogether, then you're an ethical business. You're listening to The Toxic Fox Show, the podcast for conscious business owners that give a damn. The show is kindly made possible by sevencanaries.com.au, another business that gives a damn about health, sustainability, transparency, and specifically, no nasties in products. And I'm Diana Barnett, your host. Today, I'm chatting with Susanna Bevlacroix, the founder of Moral Fairground, promoting ethical and fair trade enterprises in Australia. Through events like Fair at Square, the Fair Trade Festival, the Australian Ethical Enterprise Awards and the Australian Ethical Conference. Let's head over to the interview. I was keen to understand what defines an ethical business. However, I started by asking Susanna what was on her personal bucket list. Well, I love travelling and I've got this thing that, you know, I would like to see, you know, about 100 countries before I die. (laughs) Um, so I know it's uh, very ambitious, uh, but uh, that's the one thing I would like to do. Um, and I've done a lot of the Southeast Asia. I've done a bit of the uh, uh, Europe, but I haven't done a lot of the you know, South America, Africa, and perhaps that's uh, the next phase for me. So if you've got 100, have you counted how many you've actually done? Look, I think I've done around 25. As I said, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> Uh, but that is on my list. <laughs> How many of them would be developing countries? Most of the Southeast Asian countries that I've visited, um, there's a lot of a lot of them, uh, in particular the poorest uh, communities. Um, you know, the the country, the farmers, there are developing countries. Um, so yeah, it is a bit of a you know sort of work-related passion, but also just in general about uh, other cultures, understanding other cultures and how people live. Which of the ones that you've you've gone to in the past is the most memorable to you? Look, I've spent I've been to Laos three times, uh, and that's memorable because I spent time with someone from there uh, really understanding well about how people live, about the the, movement, the fair trade movement in there. Uh, and so I got a different understanding of uh, that particular country. Uh, and that was really, really mem- memorable for me. Mm-hmm. And if there was only one other country that you could visit on your bucket list, what would it be? I need to go to Tibet. <laughs> this is something, I'm not sure why, but this is something I wanted to do since I was a little uh, child um, when I didn't even know what Tibet was. <laughs> I just must have heard it somewhere. I just need to go there. <laughs> oh, well, make that happen sooner than later. Yes. Okay. And, and so you're based in Melbourne. Yeah. But did you grow up in Melbourne? So I was born in Melbourne, in Australia, and when I was three, my family uh, migrated back to Italy, uh, Trieste, in uh, northern Italy, and I lived there until I was 15 and came back um, at 15 again. So, so yes, I'm sort of Australian, Italian, because uh, people still think I've got an accent, but I'm actually Australian because I was born here. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I've got that... Um, background, an Italian background, and I grew up in Italy. So what is one special memory you have of growing up? So when my parents went back, obviously they had to work fairly hard, and I stayed and lived with my grandmother, and I have very fond memories of her. She's a very inspiring woman. Um, You know, some of the things she did, she was one of those that made, you know, whatever you think is 
she made you believe that things were possible. Uh, I now remember uh, she was trying to teach me how to swim um, and, um, you know, was in the water with me learning. I've learned to swim through her. Uh, but later I realised that she didn't know how to swim. She pretended that she was swimming. <laughs> uh, but I was convinced that she was uh, teaching me. So sometimes the power of the mind is, is so strong um, that, um, you know, I was comfortable that um, I had her looking after me if anything happened while I was in deep water. Uh, but, yeah, she told me she didn't know how to swim at all. So it was just things like that that happen all the time, and, um, you know, with my friends um, sitting up little, I had the um, um, the kangaroo club that I set up uh, <laughs> initially because obviously I was the Australian and I went to make things and sell them, all, all those things. It was a lot of fun growing up. So do you think having that power of belief has helped you now with business? Yeah. Yes, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think a lot of what you, as a child, it's very important to have that um, people that have confidence in you and believe in you. It sort of sets you up in a way for life. Uh, and that's why, you know, uh, family is very important for kids um, and uh, the environment that we grow up in, yeah. So taking that, your business today is Moral Fairground. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about Moral Fairground why you started it, how it started. I understand it started on a kitchen bench, but what inspired it? Oh, yes, it's still on a kitchen bench. No, it's a little office now. Um, well, with, uh, starting in 2009, um, I realised later in life about the impact I had uh, via my consumer choices, uh, service choices, and it affected me. And that particular time was about fair trade. Um, I didn't realise that I was actively contributing to in possibly increasing poverty in some country or child labour through my purchases. And so I decided to look into it and do something about it. And, uh, you know, uh, at that time we started off with some events promoting fair trade, ethical business. But now it's really going about really supporting the ethical business movement uh, because I believe that... Uh, you know, the only way to really solve our global issues is through business. Um, you know, it's not just generating money, but also using that to improve the lives, the environment, um, you know, the things that we can do to improve uh, the planet. You said that you didn't realise that um, your purchases were affecting uh, other people in other countries and poverty and perpetuating it. Yes. What was the aha moment there or the oh my God moment there that made you realise that? Um, it was just a conversation with someone. Uh, it was just a, conversa a social conversation, really. Someone brought it up that, um, oh, you know, do you buy your fair trade coffee and uh, do you know that if you don't, this happens? And, and, um, and then I went, no, oh goodness, you know, there's a lot of people out there that were, they're not bad people, no one is a bad person, but we just live our lives, you know, you get busy, you live your lives uh, without really thinking about it, you know, what the impact, because you don't realise there's, there's an impact there. Um, so when that happened during that conversations, I really, I just decided to, to look into it. Um, and uh, I felt, in a way, really guilty that I didn't know about it. Uh, but also I felt, uh, once I found out more about uh, our impact, uh, to do something about it. You know, I suppose you can either 
learn something and walk away or you can learn something and say well I'm now going to try and do something about that. So you took the I'm going to do something about that? Yes, I took the difficult road. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you think it's easier just to walk away. But uh, no, I, I'm that type of person. Um, and so I, I decided to, yeah, to take that road. Well, how, do you, how does Moral Fairground and, well, and you define ethical? Look, that's, that's, uh, that's been a question that's gone around quite a few times um, because it's, it's really difficult. You know, we're sort of at the moment in a position where each person defines ethical differently. You know, if you're an animal rights group, you're ethical. If you're a fair trade business, you're ethical. If you're social enterprise, you're ethical. The way I look at it is if through your business and your enterprise, you have a positive social, economic and environmental impact um, altogether, if you can, then you're an ethical business. Um, so that, that's the way I define it, you know, if, if through your, your business. Not, not so much uh, if you're not for profit, but as, as a business, you know, if you can do that, if you can actively do that, and that's part of your model, um, then you're an ethical business. Yep. Now, some would argue, well, we donate, you know, um, profits back to communities and that is fantastic that that's still considered you know uh, a social business but i think the ethical business the one that at the core uh, of what they do and the reason why they do it is perhaps to so to solve a, a global or a social or environmental issue um and fair trade do you go by fair trade guidelines and do you find that a lot of people don't really understand look very much uh yeah, the, the ethical business, uh, fair trade, if you're talking about the fair trade label. Um, yes. Yeah, but fair trade, if you're talking in general fair trade, it's about a fair trading system, you know, and that, that can apply not just with farmers overseas, but also locally. So the models, it's, it's very good in terms of the principles that, you know, that uh, about uh, no child labour and protecting the workers, paying the right wages, making sure, you know, investing in communities, I think that can be duplicated not just in, in developing countries. You can duplicate it anywhere. And a lot of the ethical business is very much around those principles um, because they they general principles. They're not principles just specific to fair trade. They are specific to fair trade, but you, could, you can use them generally. Yeah. And do you find that many... Um Bigger businesses uh, or larger businesses, mainly small businesses that are moving into this or larger businesses as well? Look, a small business might actually start with a vision uh, to be, to, you know, to, to set up a business for the purpose of, um, you know, helping a specific community or uh, doing something um, for the health and benefits of the community and so on. So they, I suppose it's a little bit easier because you start with that vision and you grow it. Um, bigger businesses might be already established in what they do. They will need to relook at their vision and model and try to somehow incorporate it. So I can understand it's a bit difficult for larger businesses to suddenly say, you know, someone is employing 5,000 people, we're going to change everything. Uh, but what's really pleasing to see is that they're making some changes, whether it's with the supply chains, uh, whether with who they're investing in and so on. So we can see slowly that there's a change right across. Uh, and I think in, eventually it's going to be necessary. It's not something, I don't think it's something that we 
we're going to have to choose if we want to. We're going to have to do it. I really think in the future we're going to have no choice with the lack of resources, the increased uh, poverty around the world, that lack of food and scarcity of food. We're going to have no choice but to, to be an ethical business. So you've now moved from being very focused on just fair trade to being ethical and fair trade. Yes. How's that changed how you run your business? And oh, look, it's just that when we first started a first event, which, you know, that, that our business started around Fair Square, the event that we ran, um, and we invited people to participate, taking out an exhibitor space or be part of the uh, free activities that we do. Uh, a lot of people say, well, we're, we're an ethical business as well because we fall into that category. So we really had to, the year after and, and after that, look at the definition of that and not exclude anyone, but actually include those that uh, see themselves as an ethical business because of their actions they do. Uh, so that's how it's changed. So what, what it's changed is we're now, there's a much broader uh, sort of type uh, of businesses that participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gives consumers a great place to find out, you know, What's out there? What, what's a, a sustainable business? What's an ethical business? What are the options out there? Um, make it easier for people to, to interact with all these different businesses. You're listening to The Toxic Fox Show and I'm having a conversation with Susanna Beflacroix, the founder of Moral Fairground. What have you seen that some of the small businesses that are that are either at Ferret Square or come through your Ethical Enterprise Awards, what are they doing well? Look, they uh, a lot of them. I have to I have to be honest. There's a you know when when it's a social business. Um, because the focus is to provide a solution, you know, social, like I mentioned before, a solution to an issue. Um, you know, sometimes the business model struggles because these are very passionate people. Yeah. You know, all these businesses, you, the passion is just oozing out of the business. You can see what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, and so often they might not business people <laughs> or uh, the, the, they will struggle to get uh, to successful business uh, quickly uh, financially because I think you need to be successful if, um, financially to be able to provide further and further support and improve, you know, increase the impact that you have. So I think what, the, what they do really well is show that passion through what they do. I think it's amazing. Um, this is through... Um, you know, just the, the way they speak, the way they present their business, the way they, they, they do things. But at times they might struggle in terms of how um, to be a successful business. How do you turn that into an actual business? And there's always that struggle in people's mind. If you're ethical, should be, you'd be profitable, you know. Yes, you should, because that's the only way to actually have maximum impact. Um, but there is something that in people's mind that if you're ethical, maybe you shouldn't be profitable, you know. So grabbing that, what sort of how can um, businesses, whether they're social or just a profit with purpose ethical business, how can they? They've got the passion, and they've got yeah. the idea, etc. What is it that they can do to actually 
um, to build up their skills. I mean, one of the things I see that you've done is um, build yourself a, a, an advisory board. Did, yes. do, do you think that helped you? Oh, definitely. Uh, because the advisory board will look at it from here's what we've done, um, here's what we achieved, and they will break that down and question that. Um, and that will make you think about, uh, well, it depends on how you set up your advisory board. You know, my yeah. advisory board was set up um, so they could question uh, and provide advice in terms of is, is this the right direction um, and, um, you know, challenge to, to question uh, certain things. So so that definitely helps. So I, I would recommend set up, uh, you know, your networks are very important. So that set up a group of people with different skills that you can rely on, whether it's an advisory board or a group of mentors that your business has. It's extremely important um, because they will bring things that you didn't think of or um, knowledge and skills that you don't have. Uh, with any small business, you don't have all the knowledge and skills. You know, you just you might have the idea and that's it, <laughs> but then you need help from everyone else. Yeah. So, did you set up with your advisory board from the beginning or? down the track a bit? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we're sort of reviewing the advisory board now, but uh, pretty much we started off with we need an advisory board. We need uh, people that, um, you know, that are passionate, but also that can give us some advice. So, you know, we went out with the idea and then we asked uh the advisory board, would you be able to, you know, spare some of your time uh, to help us um, when we need it? So it's really just to be able to draw uh, information but also expertise from um, and review what you've done and see how it can be done better. So how often do you meet with your advisory board? Every three months. Uh, I have to be honest, because we're in the middle of reviewing it, uh, we haven't met for six months, yeah. uh, but um, I'm actually now, um, after the events are over, uh, going to put out a call for other advisory board because it's a three-year term. Um, and But, yeah, the idea is to meet every three months, but in between, I mean, there's, uh, you know, some members that are more active than others, in between we draw from their expertise throughout. So it's not... You know, every two months it's more the formal meeting, uh, but in between there's a lot of conversations going on. Um, yeah. I also draw from other businesses as well. You know, it's not just the advisory board, but I draw from other expertise and other businesses, that people that I meet. Um, and also I think collaboration are very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, collaborating with other groups, uh, you know, they want to grow, you want to grow, or you want to improve something, perhaps doing something together. Sometimes that can help, uh, especially if someone's got an idea and they want to launch it. Um, sometimes partnering up with someone or, or, or an organisation can, can actually work. Uh, when there's no much funding, for example, to put towards uh, an idea. In looking at social media and media, what role has that played in helping you establish the brand? Uh, the way I look in promoting, uh, there's mul- it's multi-facets. Uh, so I don't look at social media on its own. There are some brands that have done really well just with social media because that's the target audience. So I think that's helped us uh, keep it in touch with people on a regular basis on what's happening, other, you know, sharing information and so on. Um, and But there are other ways as well. So I think you can't just look at it uh, just social media. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to look at all the different areas of promoting uh, and linking with mm-hmm. organisations. So whether it's through, you know, we've got a newsletter, uh, whether it's through um, advertising, promotion, flyers, whatever it might, might be, before certain events, for example, whether it's through your business network and social media. So I see it as a very holistic um, approach rather than just social media. Mm-hmm. It has really improved our reach uh, because what it means is we're connecting with probably different type of people that might not read a newsletter but want to know things on social media. So you must have. I think for any business now, when you're starting, you've got to think a strategy, and it doesn't have to be complicated, of how you're going to communicate by social media. It's very, very important. So which social media works best for you? I have to say we've done every event. We do thousands of surveys and we ask people how did you find out about what we do. And word of mouth is the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, success story for us. Now, we haven't analysed and gone back how is that word of mouth? Is it through social media? Or, um, so it'd be interesting to see how they heard about that, um, whether it's through another website or through a social media. Uh, but the second one after word of mouth is social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and then how does, what does the role of traditional media play? I think it, uh, I'm not a media expert, but I think it depends what you're trying to promote. Yeah. Um, and, and so the traditional media is important, uh, but it really depends what you're trying to promote and, and how. So uh, for an event, we could do everything, you know. Um, we could do social media. We can do um, printed material and, and so on. Um, for maybe a specific product uh, that you might be launching, you know, a bit of a specific uh traditional media, you know, specific magazine that you know you're going to have your customer base reading it, combined with social media might work uh, as well, I think. And I think you should, you should uh, also look at that. But you have, have you found one area of media works better for you than others? Yeah, look, traditional media? Uh, we've been like a few times we've been, we've had some article in the major newspapers and that's worked really well. But uh, I would say the word of mouth and social media has been our most prominent um, in, in terms of people getting to the event and finding out about it. You know, someone else retweeting it. You know, it's not just our social media. It's the work that other people might be uh, retweeting our event to their networks and so on. So I think when you think of social media, it's also the connections that you have through that yep. uh, that can help, uh, not just your own social media. Yeah. So having a look at your experience for the last couple of years and looking back, what would you have done differently? What got me into events? I don't know. <laughs> 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 I, um, I, I think when we ran Ferret Square, even though we did a bit of research, we just did it. We didn't really... Uh, we. Look, I've, I come from a banking background, so I had no idea about how to run an event. Um, so we could have done it better from the beginning in terms of uh, maybe getting advice from people that actually run events on how to do it because it took us a few years to get it right. Yep. Um, 
But then again, it is a new. It was a new event, so they all have teething problems. You know, they all have that problems, and as they grow, you need to change and things like that. So I think maybe just get a bit more experience on how to to do it. That would have been good to get it started. Um, but that may have scared you off from doing it if you had it. Well, that's what I'm thinking now that I know about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think uh, I thought we thought very hard at that time how to start it up and, um, you know, making sure we had people like the advisory board and that in place. And I think that really helped. Uh, so I wouldn't have changed any of that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I would just, it's really hard to go back. I mean, you, I don't think I would change much, but maybe more the process of how things are done, you know, um, that, you know, a lot of the things that take a lot of time that could be done quicker. Uh, so more the processing, the back end of the business um, that can take a lot of time and take your time away doing other things like networking with your groups and, and things like that. So maybe the processing side of it is something that um, we I need to personally look at and, and do better. Yeah. Um, what are some things that have happened over the years that you were really proud of? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, the in terms of Ferret Square, you know, last year we got 78,000 people at the event. You know, you sit down and look back and you think, wow, you know, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> uh, because you're so into the job, uh, you don't know what other people think about it. You know, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, and the Ethical Enterprise Award, um that's, I'm really proud of that, um, that new initiative that we launched last year because one of the things that I've noticed is businesses are doing amazing stuff, but they're not getting recognised enough and awarded. And I really wanted to create something where we can recognise and increase the awareness of some of these amazing enterprises doing incredible work. And, and I know, you know, from doing it myself, how much effort you put into it personally. Um, and so the award is something that we're really, really proud of. And obviously, you know, having Australian Ethical as a backing uh, has been very important. Uh, they're highly supportive and, and working with us towards that. And it wouldn't have happened um, if we didn't have them to support it. Uh, but that's definitely something I'm extremely proud of and hopefully growing this area of the award with the conference and other things to support the businesses in, in this sphere. So where to from here? You've done, you know, Ferret Square and you do the morning teas, the Mother's Day morning teas. And you- yes, Mother's Day, yes, the networking, yeah. Where to? Um, look, the, the objective uh, is for Moral Fairground to come up with some new program at least every two years or some new initiative. So the Ethical Enterprise Award, this is the second year. We'll continue with that uh, and improve on it. Um, so I don't know. Well, I'll have to think about it. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I, I was looking at, uh, in the past, um, an idea about fair travel, um, bringing people to some of the um, producing communities. Um, but it requires a bit of time and effort. You know, you have to physically go there and uh, get the partnership going there. Um, and I don't think I've got the resources at the moment, but that was something that I was really keen to do, to connect people to the producers in a different way, not just going there on a holiday, but really getting to know it. Because that's the experience I had in Laos, and it was wonderful, it was great. Uh, it brought a whole different, um, you know, um, idea about 
other people in other countries and how we can contribute. So I wanted to sort of duplicate that. And that's perhaps something that, um, I've, you know, I want to I want to work on in the future. Uh-huh. Um, and if you're giving a, a piece of advice or two pieces of advice to mm-hmm. a um, startup in, in an ethical startup, what would it be? Okay. So I think... Uh, one of the things that's really important and people might do it or not uh, is a business plan. And I know it sounds tactic, but the writing down your ideas and putting together a five-year plan of where you want to go is extremely important. That business plan will also break down your strengths, your weaknesses, and where you need to what what are the resources you need to get to 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 get where you want to when you want to go? So I know people say it and say it, and a lot of people say we'll do it. They don't end up doing it, and then they see themselves two years down the track. Where now? You know. So I think yeah. that plan is extremely important because you will not only jot your ideas down, and once you've written it down, it's okay, I've got it. It's now real. But it will also look at everything else that you need to to get it somewhere. Um, so that's one word of advice. Uh, second is make sure that you keep on being passionate about what you do. I think, you know, with anything, and in particular in this sector, passion will rub off on other people uh, and will get you to meet other people that will be able to help you, uh, you know, increase your networks. So I think keep up that passion uh, and um, and get that driving um, your 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 business and your ideas. Hmm. Well, thank you, thank you, Susanna. That's fantastic. Thank you. Very interesting to see, to listen to your journey and your ins- ideas. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you, Diana. Bye. I'm sure you'll agree with me that in that interview, there's quite a few tips, tricks, and insights for the conscious business owner. Three takeouts that resonated with me were create your own advisory board or group of mentors. It's a great way to have independent eyes to view your business, the opportunities and challenges. In addition to traditional and social media, network and collaborate to get your message out there. And finally, plan, plan, plan so that you can understand your strengths and weaknesses and build upon them and you can have a vision of where you're heading. Now, I'd love to hear what your takeouts were from the episode. So if you could head over to the toxicfoxshow.com for episode number three and leave a comment in the show notes and hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. There's plenty coming up in the next few weeks as I interview awesome conscious business owners. In episode number four, I'll be speaking with Alex Stewart. That's Alex with two X's, A-L-E-X-X, Stewart, an advocate for health and well-being through low-tox living. A big thank you for Seven Canaries for making this possible. To Vince Jones for the use of his song, Old Mother Earth Knows. To the team for helping me pull this together. And finally, thanks to you for listening. Until next week, may your business continue to be a business that gives a damn.